This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lots of laughs as well. I love, I love the, the, um, the Twitter account. It's great. I follow it um, a great deal. And even while I understand not, only, not, not even half of it, I still love it. <laughs> what perfect endorsement could you have? The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. Hello and welcome to the Grade Cricketer Podcast. There are literally no words, no turn of phrase, no introduction that will do justice to describe Henningley in the third test of this Ashes series. As if Australia losing the Bledisloe Cup 36-0 last week wasn't bad enough, Ben Stokes does that in this week's episode of I Don't Know Why I Do This To Myself. We'll talk about it all. The Labuschagne highs, the 67 lows, the missed runouts, the drop catches, Jack Leach's one of 17, lifetime spec saver deals, Stokes' switch hits, Stokes' eight sixes, Stokes' everything, and in the world where we just want consistency, nothing is as consistent as umpire Joel Wilson. Hashtag AskTJC involves Joffre Archer's watch, an American playing cricket in England, shadow batting, and another edition of I Played Against a Current Test Player. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined by Dave Edwards in Sydney and Sam Perry in Melbourne. Boys, um, did you catch the cricket? G'day, he goes. G'day, Dave. I caught the cricket, and uh, can I just say, if you are English listening to this show, uh, intravenously connect any medical equipment you can to your deepest vein. Uh, do it for the entire podcast. The deepest uh, because vein. The deepest vein yeah. possible. Uh, yes, because... I don't know uh, about you guys. I guess that's why we're on this podcast. But uh, I, I had a, I did have a sick feeling mm. uh, in the pit of my stomach <laughs> this morning that I hadn't felt since uh, the North Sydney Bears lost against Newcastle in 1997 <laughs> uh, to a Matthew Johns field goal. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, and like, but and I've been oscillating today on this. It, it, it was truly gutting, and it felt it felt bad. And then. You think, why do I concern myself with these bat and ball games? Mm-hmm. I'm a 34 year old man, possibly with a mental illness. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> stop trivialising this stuff. Uh, but um, you know, and and then I thought, no, this is good yeah. because I'm I'm feeling something. This is life. Isn't life good that it can mm. produce this sport? As Roy Masters said on the weekend on Offsiders, wonderful show. You know, sport is still the greatest unscripted drama. Netflix has nothing on this shit. Yeah. And then, yeah, Ben Stokes, fuck me, stick cricket. <laughs> Jesus, what a player. Oh. That's that, that's that, I call it cricket, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it, it was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, now. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's yeah, just, it was. oh my God, we're meant to feel, aren't we? I, I feel nothing. Um, really? Well, no, I'm, I've been processing it. It's been, it's been a little bit of time now. We've had a bit of time to, to take it in. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this podcast. I mean, what I'm going to say is that there was nothing we could have done. He, one bloke had an absolute worldie. He had a day out, and that's the industry term for what happened. He had a day out. One bloke <laughs> went out there, banged it all around the park, and we just couldn't do anything. And there was nothing we can do. And I don't think there's any need for an autopsy here. I mean, we don't need to deconstruct or you know get the coroner involved here. The team is already saying, let's move on, forget it happened. It's easy to deal with it that way, obviously, than to reflect and point fingers, which we'll obviously do over the next 20 minutes. But, you know, Mm. we live in the era of cancel culture and someone has to get cancelled. So who do we blame for this? Mm. What do we do? Are we cooked as a country, as a cricketing nation? Or do we just write this off as an anomaly, wash our hands of it, but, I mean, you guys can agree, there's nothing worse in cricket than playing against a team and some bloke is just fucking teeing off and there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Edo's, um, my, um, my takeaway from it was uh, I, 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 I like, like to pretend sometimes that I really don't care about the cricket, but, like, watching those last 70 runs tick down, I'm not going to lie, England enjoy this, that fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, that really hurt. Like, because Australia had a really similar situation. Was it Edgebaston in 05 where, like, the last wickets came down and, like, you know, Kasperwitz and giving out off the glove and all that kind of stuff and yep. so close to winning. And this, this was England's equivalent. But they've just got a guy who, as you say, Dave, industry term, he's just had a day out. He, he got out of the house, he's out and about, mm. and he's just had a day out. And, like... Uh, we, we don't have an agenda for this. I think it's going to be a meandering conversation about how we process this, as as you rightly say, it is, you know, uh, as a nation, how we process this. Probably just sweep it aside and just focus yeah. on Old Trafford. And that, that'll be just a, you know, th- this podcast when they'll just be looking forward and, and never looking back, never or never looking back ever. Um, so not an anger, <laughs> as Oasis said. Um, but like, just just on the on the Stokes on the Stokes stuff, mm. I've seen a couple of takeaways, lads. I put this both to you. And and Tim Payne was questioned multiple times in his press conference after the game. It's just like, what were your thoughts? What were you thinking with the field setting? Yeah, why did you pu- why did you push the fielders back? And this to me highlights like how fucking little even people who work professionally on the cricket know about the cricket. What do they want? Do they want like to have like four slips in a gully catching cover for Stokes? Yeah. He hit seventy. His last seventy runs came off forty balls. He's hit eight sixes. He's switch hitting Nathan Lyon over a point when there's a deep point taking on a man on the boundary. Like w- w- like you cannot stop that. I mean Australia saw their chances, but you could not stop the absolute world in the day out that was Ben Stokes's big day out. <laughs> yeah. Big day uh, out. <laughs> yeah, it was a big day out. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing. Mm. But, uh, yeah, mate, here goes. You're right. And I think everything has to be caveated with the greatness of what Stokes did. Uh, you know, people as kind of, you know, a septuagenarian like Jeffrey Boycott, he mm. might even be an octogenarian, Mm. is saying that it's the best innings he's ever seen. There are people who've seen a lot of innings yeah, out there. That's saying true. That, and, and people who know not to jump the gun on this stuff, saying that it is uh, the greatest. Some saying one of the greatest, some saying the greatest, some yeah. saying mm. it exceeds headingly. Uh, you know, it was, it was an absolute phenomenon. No one on the planet could do what Stokes did last night and very arguably no one on the planet previous <laughs> to him. 
could have ever done what he did. It was truly phenomenal. But let's point fingers and let's look at let's just roll around in the mud of where Australia could have won it. Mm. I I agree. They were most likely to take a wicket on the boundary. It was silly to talk about where fielders should have been, though I don't think Payne's captaincy um, should sort of avoid scrutiny. There was some I do think there were some strange bowling changes. Do you think Nathan Lyon was underbowled a little bit? But you know, in the broader scheme of things, when you're talking about the greatest innings of all time, mm. it's it feels a little bit crass to to start nitpicking at the details because the greatness mm. kind of overwhelmed all of it. Um, I, w- I will say that. Um Kusil Pereira hit 153 not out against Dale Stain and the rest of South Africa and Taki in South Africa. He basically did the same thing as Stokes did about six months ago mm, um, yeah. when Schleicher won the series. So it is comparable, but like there is something quite remarkable about how low scoring a game this was. You know, like England got bowled out for 67, which is going to be forgotten. Um, mm. And they've chased down 370, which almost never happens in Test match cricket. Um, and it's all because one guy has just been, <laughs> it's just been amazing. Um, <laughs> So that's part of what hurts a little bit as well. He goes, you know, that that, that sixty seven is now erased. Yep. They've erased it, and I guess there's the opportunity for Australia to have the last laugh in the series because there's still two more tests. But that is a saving grace. But like you're you're so right to call out the hurt that comes from it. Like, and uh, you know, it, it's not a car crash or anything. But like w- watching your team lose over five hours, mm-hmm. you know, on the on the final days, truly excruciating. And I have to say, like, I really appreciate the wisdom of some of the senior cricket writers out there who are very quick mm. to remind us that this is wonderful for the game of Test cricket, which mm. is under threat. Well, it's... Uh, it's and and, and to, to lord the game. Um, mm. But I don't know about you guys, but, like, it's part of me that just slightly doesn't trust people who can't just fucking grieve in the first place. Like, just be a little bit pissed off for your team because yeah. you clearly got into the game supporting a nation. Mm. And then we can say what a, what a wonderful phenomenon this extremely strange code is. <laughs> yes, we all know that. But, geez, like, just the body's still warm, you know? Mm. Like, before, let's just not... We don't have to eulogise straight away. We know it's really fucking good shit. Mm. It's good gear, even though Australia hasn't won a match by a wicket or... Or ten or under ten runs mm. since nineteen fifty two. It's lost nine <laughs> by really? that many, but it's one zero. Australia yeah. are the villains and they lose these games. They yeah. have to be the villain. One day our time will come. I mean, the the only way I can process this is by logging onto my Twitter app and scrolling through it because we obviously share this great cricketer account, whatever the fuck it is. We're obviously privy to the same content. <laughs> fuck me. Like, there has been a lot of overwrought emotional reactions from mainly English. I mean, I get that this is a huge... What a summer they've had. The World Cup, firstly, that happened. Mm. You know, this beautiful day out it was in the sunshine where cricket was revitalised and, you know, they... And it's fucking happened again. Like, I can't believe that it's happened again, (laughs) twice, for these fucking cucks. Like, some of the stuff that's been written on Twitter. And if you go to Twitter and you type um, hashtag ashes, hashtag tears, like, there are so many fully grown men talking about what this has done to them emotionally. I'm just going through a few now. Mike Selvey, obviously, you know, a well-known man and a a great cricket name of England. I do not believe what I've just seen. I am literally in tears. The greatest match-winning innings I've ever seen, just astonishing. Graham Swan, I have no sister, but if I did, I'd want her to marry Ben Stokes. It's weird how cricketers always want to marry off their sisters. Uh, Justin Langer did that as well. 
There's yeah. a fucking lot of this stuff. Like England is just absolutely losing their shit over this. It's just well, it's just people are literally in tears. They're losing bodily fluids um, over this. It's it's just brought a nation down. Um, we, we spoke we spoke at length about um, this is supposed to be England's summer, and fuck, it's just happening. And I, I, I was kind of thinking this morning as I woke up, still in disbelief of the thing that had happened, and I'm kind of thinking, like, do we just give up? Like, is, is everything just – are we just being stoked? You know, like Flint off 05, and now Australia's going to search for Stokes 19 for the next 30 years, mm-hmm. so we're about to find him, um, unless he's in New Zealand. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, but so like I'm just kind of thinking like you know you think about the uh, the Dharma Seema the the, yeah, the, right. the overthrows you know the drop catches Trent Bolt you know Marcus Harris dropping it's like the Joel Wilson OBW the reviews all that it's just fucking it's he goes just in like, the stars isn't it is it, it in the stars he goes, Do we just give up it is in the stars mate because you know this is the climate change year of cricket and it's breeding mm-hmm. wild results and that's reflecting the precarious nature of the environment everything is extreme like everything you just mentioned there is an extreme and fucking, you know, this is all happening against the backdrop of, you know, the Amazon burning down under the corrupt Bolsonaro regime. <laughs> I yep. mean, England were yep. rolled for 67 in their first dig. Mm-hmm. That should have been that should have been it to come back from there and then post the highest or whatever, like a, the highest ever run chase in decades that England's performed. Mm-hmm. In the fashion they did, Stokes hitting 70-odd from the last 40 or whatever. This is extreme mm-hmm. cricket. Everything mm. is binary. Like, this is not normal yeah. test cricket that we grew up with. You know, we grew up with 300-plus first-inning totals and matches that went five days. And, you know, now we have fucking rain-interrupted matches that go for three days yet yield the wildest of results. Mm. This is a it's, new it's like, fucking it's, it's era. It's sort of strange, like, exhibition test cricket. So mm. I, like, I think everybody agrees that from the first ball of this series that there was some there's – a, there's some sense of a classic on offer – there's still two more tests of this. But what you can't say is that we're watching two powerhouses. Like, this game was, partic- like, in many ways, was mm. who could be least worst. <laughs> mm. and, uh, and, and then Stokes set himself apart. Uh, like, uh, you know, before that point, it was, it was quite difficult to follow. You know, I did know somebody today said, I'll spare a thought for the odds makers. Oh, yeah, deepest fucking sympathies. <laughs> For those guys, very difficult for them. But like, but it's but it is, but it's kind of true. Like, it's a bit of a marker for like how much this has kind of swayed. We can't make sense of it. But like, I'm willing, you know, in the Netflix era, in the climate change era, you know, in the bite-sized communication era, just for it to be to have these wild oscillations. Mm. Uh, but you know, I, I guess the only saving grace from an Australian perspective is that Steve Smith's coming back. Mm. And you know, just once again to underscore anyone who's listening and saying you're focusing too much on Australia, Ben Stokes is God. He was amazing, uh, and he sets himself apart. What a player! We haven't even talked about his, you know, twelve-over spell mm. before. He literally, he, he actually just literally was like a kid in the backyard saying, "Okay, I'm going to go and win the game now." Mm. He just went and did it. Mm. I, I think that, I think it's as well that kind of the prism of like you know in footballing terms when like your team concedes a goal and you go fucking shit the fence, but if your team scores a goal, oh, they're the best players. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stop. They couldn't do anything about that. And that's kind of what Stokes has done to Australia a little bit. I, I think like um, Australia had every right to lose this game so so easily. You, you go back to day one. 
they got put into bat um, in awful conditions. And I think in years go by, years gone by, I think it's rolled for fucking seventy there. You know, we've seen it happen before, and Australia's done. Mm. I thought did pretty well to get one hundred and eighty. Absolutely rocked England uh, to bowl them out for sixty-seven. Make enough runs realistically. I mean, Australia should have won the game by hundred runs. Really, I mean, I think it'd be. I think the listeners will probably want us to talk about. Um, Couple of things that the, the the Nathan Lyon drop catch run out, um, and the and the Joel Wilson LBW. Does anyone have any take on that? I mean, uh, Joel Wilson to me is like, uh, th- I mean, the Ashes. The Ashes is the biggest series in world cricket. It, it's it's every single nation wants to be part of the Ashes because it's the, it's the most engaging, has the most interest, most viewer numbers, all that stuff. And like, how a guy can be umpiring who got like fifteen incorrect decisions wrong in the first test match and is still umpiring and then you know sure Payne shouldn't have burnt the review and over before or a few balls before or whatever mm. but like you watch that LBW live and it fuck me that is hitting all three every single mm. day of the week like to, to get <laughs> to get the, the, that wrong is you know I am saying this through my salty crying tears um, England fans out there but yep. but uh, th- that is a really bad decision but that's why the DRS exists it's not, it's not used for strategic plays it's there to overturn the house and that is an absolute howler. Lion's reaction yeah. to that was hilarious. He did like yeah. some backwards somersault, just mm. writhing on the ground in agony. Mm. Like he, oh, it just destroyed our heart and soul. That decision yeah, that was by the, game. the umpire. He just well, yeah, fucking. I mean, the us. ball previous, he he obviously had like, inexplicably fumbled a ball that didn't seem to like hurry on to him mm. in what can only be described as like snatching. Uh, yeah, and 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 the pressure getting to him. You got to say, good comeback <laughs> following that <laughs> yeah, delivery yeah. from him. But like, I, I you know, just you know, where were you when it happens? Like, I I remember just with ten runs to get. Like, I was sat prone on my couch, like my head in my hands, like just yeah. watching it, uh, thinking I can't believe this happening. You know, heart beating quickly, just pure adrenaline, and then. Like, I blacked out when he hit that back pad, and I, next thing I'd know, I was a centimetre from the screen yelling, that's out. <laughs> me too. I've just stood up, walked around this table in front of me saying, that's out, son and uh, wife asleep, wife quite sick actually at the moment, uh, and um, and then kind of like y- y- like eat that weird yell through gritted teeth trying to stay quiet going, fuck yeah, it out. New, new uh, enjoy it, England fans. Gen- <laughs> genuinely enjoy it. And then, yeah, when the review comes up, uh, yeah. hilarious. And like you could see there's a great kind of conversation going on at the moment about the class with which Australia has accepted this defeat. And you kind of, it when you compare it to previous Australian teams, yeah, they're fucking royal family, you know. But I watched um, Tim Payne like walk down the, walked down the pitch and like he just growled at Joel Wilson he's like what was that missing he wasn't even looking at him he was just looking at the ground what was that missing what was that missing and just kept going he has been you know magnanimous since then but uh, I mean yeah that was I mean what I mean let, let, let's talk about that burnt review firstly and let be like try and be a little bit forensic about it right so the way I saw it with eight runs to go was Australia were um, completely mesmerized by this Ben Stokes yeah horror show or wonder show mm. and they had already conceded in many ways yeah. that they were powerless now yeah. it was this is just Stokes is just hitting this where he wants and mm. the best we can do is put 
110,000 fielders on the boundary <laughs> and hope that one hits the outside half of the bat yeah. and we catch it just yeah. inside the rope. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Slow ball, I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was pretty much it. And then when, you know, come and see that pad, like, I mean, so many things gave it away. Firstly, the ball almost trickles down to fine leg. Yeah. You can always tell where the ball goes. Secondly, there's footage of Stokes at the non-strikers end later. He didn't even bother. Once it hit the paddy, like, he was just on his haunch. He's like, oh, cool, that's not out. Mm. And then Australia... Australia used that review because, and I had to say this, like, but th- they think the game's gone. Yeah. So it was a, it was a very much a, like, well, it may as well. How can I improve my chances from zero? <laughs> you know, like that. That was it, mm. and uh, that was a function of what Stokes had done to them. Like Stokes mm. created that mm-hmm. in them. You know, it's not it, like th- that is part of the power of what he did. Yeah, uh, no, and. Um, Mm. Uh, sorry, sorry, I, I heard, no, I, I heard Payne after the in the press conference. He was saying that um, Cummins apparently came down the wicket and, and said that um, uh, he pitched, definitely pitched in line, but I think he might have hit it. And Payne said what? he definitely didn't hit it, but I think he might have pitched outside leg. So there's obviously a lot of confusion going on there generally. Um, so just in real time, that that ball just looked so that just did not look anywhere near the stumps. That, no, <laughs> it's extraordinary that Cummins thinks that. Yeah. I did notice that he's. Um, he did appeal like slightly vociferously. Like he did, I saw him go up and like for like an infinitesimal second, I was like, well, have I missed something there? And then that, that conversation is, I mean, that, yeah, I, it's so easy in retrospect. It's obviously so easy. Uh, and I'm sure that they decided to review that just mm. because, well, let's multiply out, you know, we, let's improve our chances, which are currently zero yeah. of winning. Yeah. But God, you know, no. like you're like, yeah, well, how? Why? How? Yeah. <laughs> well, have the words well for it's it. funny because in, in the presser afterwards, again with with Payne, um, he was asked about Joe Wilson's umpiring ability. He asked about the LBW, and Payne like stopped the question midway through, and he said, "I know what you're going to ask me. I haven't seen it back, but I don't need to see it back. I know, I know, I know it was out. I know it was out." Like so, um, <laughs> I Pez, uh, as you know, I was texting you last night. I had uh, had about uh, fifty five bottles of wine last night. Had a friend over, uh, just watching the Ashes, and um, <laughs> nothing when the relationship quicker than seeing a man head in his hands a centimetre away from the screen appealing that's out that's fucking out <laughs> so you know were you nude completely complete normal stuff nude yeah nude uh, nude bottle of rosé and uh, that's the end of that um so let's let's look let's look forward now to Old Trafford. We'll obviously we'll have a preview in the next couple of days uh, before before the Manchester Test starts. Um, I think I seen we we're talking about last podcast was saying that Kawaja is probably paying for his spot. I think he's would it be fair to say the Kawaja out, Labuschagne and Smith uh, to about three and four. Would that be fair? Uh, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'd look, like I think so. Before. I mean, he, where does he bat three or four? I mean, he's proven himself at three, hasn't he? I Who's mean, that? Uh, Labuschagne. Labuschagne. He has to bat three, I think. I think right. you've got to move Kwaja to open. I think, I don't know. Okay. I mean, that, that would be my move. He's, he's got a lot of class, Kwaja, and I don't think you can leave him out. Um, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, it, 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 at the end of the day, it's Harris versus Kwaja. Mm-hmm. I think Lang has shown with the, like, axing of Bancroft after two tests that, like, he's making selections not for the future, for the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, the, this Everest that Australia are trying to scale is you know, something that they will not have the chance to do very often, as we've seen from previous tours. So this is about now. So it's a it is a cold decision mm. between Marcus Harris and Usman Kawaja. I guess there's an argument that Wade could come into the question and someone could go, you know, maybe head shifts down to six or something. Mm. Uh but um for me it's Harris versus Kawaja. If you just ask me with two tests on the line who's more likely to score runs, uh like 
I'm probably still going to stick with class. I, I still think mm. that Kawaja might be a chance yeah. of, of pulling it off. He's had a few unlucky dismissals. Mm. Uh, I don't think that it's a sufficient reason to keep Harris because he deserves another go. Just in this situation, I just think there's two tests left. There's four innings left. Who's more likely to win your game mm. is Kawaja. Sorry, Marcus. You're going to feature next uh, this summer and beyond, uh, but I, I'm, I'll just stick with Uzi. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you say that, Pez, because, I mean, like, what, what, what sort of history do we have of Kawaja scoring runs in England? You know, four, four series, no. four touring series in England, 150. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think you are right. It is Harris versus Kawaja. But for me, uh, I think I would say Harris at the moment is probably more likely. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll obviously get a little bit closer down the line before the next test match starts. But um, you have to say a Smith injection would be huge, if true. But then also um, Jimmy Anderson looks like he might be some way uh, coming back to being fit it's as well. So um, Davy Warner's back, though. He goes... Mm-hmm. And he shaved his beard off and he hit runs. And that's yep. just a great move, I think. I mean, that's exactly what I do when I'm feeling shit. I just try to change my appearance. He would have felt clean and new upon doing that. The same beard worked in the World Cup, but, you know, a few failures and now it's the beard's fault. So it has to be something's mm-hmm. fault always. But it's good, it was good to see him hit some runs and, and take some catches, some fucking good oh, catches fucking that he got catches, fired man. up about. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways it was actually Warner's test match. Um, I think that's mm. kind of the big takeaway that people aren't talking about, I think. Yeah, Warner's test match, Hazelwood 9-5. I mean, that's what I saw on the CA highlights. <laughs> <laughs> State media. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we're going to get Tim Breslin on the line, uh, Leeds local, Headingley local, um, to um, to laugh at us, basically. I suspect this is what's going to happen over the next few minutes or so. Then after that, hashtag AskTGC. Just before that, he goes, oh, yeah. we are going to speak with uh, Dean Wilson. We are going to speak to Dean from, Wilson, you're right. From from the Daily Mirror, just for a, an English voice to tell us uh, just how wonderful it is to be English mm-hmm. today. Mm. All right. That's all coming up. Harry Broad, good morning. You've been reading the grade cricketer. But most of the book has taken up with proving he isn't good enough. Locker room language is rife and sexual immaturity is rampant. Having sexual relations is called burgling a chop. Uh, um, I'm very disappointed. I, I, you know, I thought this should be a, a great book. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep, it's got a high-res 120Hz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Okay, the following man that we are going to speak to is making his debut on the Grey Cricketer podcast. I've been kind enough to have some dealings with him while I was living in the UK. He's sort of, uh, you know, one of the lead men of the UK cricket press pack. Uh, You can see him storming about in the press box, uh, you know, people following behind him. He's been on the beat for quite a long time. He's the Daily Mirror's cricket correspondent. Uh, His name's Dean Wilson. Dean, welcome to the Grey Cricketer. Hello, guys. Nice to uh, nice to be on. Finally, finally, I've earned my spurs. <laughs> well, uh, it's a great free hit for you today, Dean. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful cast uh, that uh, yeah. you've waited patiently to join. Uh, your piece 
overnight said uh, that yesterday's result was the most thrilling, most miraculous performance from an English cricketer, referring to Ben Stokes, in case you didn't know, from uh, in 142 years of Test cricket. Do you want to take it away from there? You're at Headingley. What did you see? Um, well, first of all, um, when I woke up this morning, I just had to to make sure it wasn't a dream because uh, it, it was that incredible. I think the reason why I say it was the greatest performance out of 142 years, it was not just because of the performance, which was amazing, but because, as you guys also know, we did win a small matter of a World Cup just six weeks ago. And in that final, the same man, Ben Stokes, was absolutely heroic and uh, and almost kind of carrying uh, the weight of the nation on his shoulders. And somehow this back-breaking work that he's been doing over the last six weeks uh, hasn't cowed him, hasn't uh, bowed him or bent him in any way. He's still like Atlas, just as strong as ever. And uh, and what he did at Headingley was, uh, yeah, it was nothing short of miraculous. Not to mention the fact, of course, that he'd also turned in about 25 overs of uh, of wholehearted, lung-bursting, uh, fast bowling. Uh, had a couple of catches dropped off his bowling, which might have sent one or two guys uh, insane, but he just keeps going, keeps coming back for more. Uh, and I can tell you, you know, Ben Stokes is our columnist at the Mirror, and so I've been dealing with him quite closely over the last little while. And I can tell you, I can promise you, when he says there is nothing that gets him going more than beating Australia, I promise you that is absolutely the case. He's got the double whammy. He's English on one side, New Zealand on the other. And so right in the middle of that hatred uh, is, is, your, is your beautiful country. And uh, so, yeah, it couldn't have been a finer moment for him uh, to really produce. Uh, you know, he missed the chance to do it against Australia in the final, uh, but he got uh, he got hold of you guys yesterday, that's for sure. Can, can so you – um, one thing – Yeah, you go, you go. Sorry, sorry, but, sorry but I was going to say, Dean, one thing that we're obsessed about, you know, as Australians is, you know, what's he like as a man, you know, and that's just like one thing that we're obsessed about is, you know, just analysing cricketers' personalities. And, and one thing that seems to come across consistently, particularly with people from the UK and his teammates especially – is that he seems extremely popular within the group. And obviously he's had his troubles off the field and all that stuff. But um, I've never heard anyone, actually anyone who's played with or against him, say a bad word about him. I mean, you've just said that you've worked quite closely with him at the Mirror. Um, you know, what's, 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 he, what's he like as a person? Well, uh, I think obviously for your listeners, the word alpha is, uh, mm. is quite a, a strong one. And, mm. and clearly, you know, he, he is an, an alpha kind of character, you know, leads by example, leads from the front, all those sorts of, sorts of things. I can remember when he first came into the England set up, you know, kind of 23-ish years old, I think it was in, in 13, um, you know, a, a young player, inexperienced, but obviously showed what he could do in Perth. Uh, and talking to some of the kind of coaches around him at that time and their, and their astonishment at just how much others wanted, not just to to be like him, but, you know, to, 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 to follow him, you know, on and off mm. the field, you know, everyone would be waiting for this 24 year old kid to, to come out of his room and come down to the bar. And it was all like, right, where are we going tonight? Boys? What are we doing tonight? Oh, let's wait, 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 let's wait until <laughs> Stokes, he gets down there. Let's find out what he's up to. Yeah. Uh, and he is just <laughs> a very charismatic kind of character. And, and I think that the, the reason uh, that he is that way, or that players kind of see him that way is, it's partly to do with what Joe Root talked about uh, yesterday after the game. That he's the ultimate team man. He kind of he wants to see other people happy. Obviously, he, you know, nothing makes him happier than than performing and, and doing well. But he really likes to see other people happy. And so, whether it's uh, teammates on the field that he can affect the game, you know, to bring about team success, or whether it's going out 
for a couple of drinks with, you know, his old mates from home, you know, his old cricket club, uh, getting mm. a round of drinks and, you know, making sure that everyone is, is kind of looked after. He's that kind of uh, almost kind of caring soul. Um, mm. I know people might find that difficult to believe because he's, you know, quite, you know, he's, he's certainly got a bit of toughness about him, a bit rough and ready as well. But actually, I think there's a bit of warmth, a bit of sensitivity there. Um, you know, he cares about, about others. He's fiercely loyal. Um, you know, he's been put as gold to work with, certainly from, from my point of view. And, and when I've been out with him on occasions, you know, that that generosity kind of shines through. You know, um, mm. he is good fun. He's, you know, he's not going to wow you with his IQ and, 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 and take you down the Mensa route. But um, he's streetwise. <laughs> he, he understands that he's got a good sense of humor. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he's a good guy. He, he is a good guy. And I think that that he's also matured, you know, I'm not going to, you know, come up there and, and say that he's the Messiah and, you know, he's never done anything wrong. Cause I think we, we all know that he's made mistakes. Sure. Um, you know, but he, you know, he's a young man who's now maturing into a, into a fine man, into, you know, into a, obviously a fantastic cricketer, but off the field as well, you know, um, father or two, um, learned, I think from his mistakes and is trying to, to be the best that he can be. And, um, you know, I've met his mum and dad as well, you know, Deb and, and Jed Stokes uh, over in New Zealand. I've spent a bit of time with, with Jed and his brother in India while they were, while he was at the Rajasthan Royals. And, um, and you know, they're, they're good people, you know, pretty salt of the earth and, and, and you know, honest yeah. and hardworking and all those kind of qualities. And, and you can kind of see them, see them in Ben and um, it just so happens that he's really good at cricket as well. <laughs> Dean, uh, as Australia kind of rolls around in the mud of uh, finger pointing and blame games and, uh, you know, the one that got away, etc. there's also some videos doing the rounds of, you know, fans at Premier League matches in the pub, for example, uh, you know, cheering on, you know, the final boundary from Stokes to, to win the game. There's always so much chat about the place of cricket in England, where it used to be, where it is now. I mean, can you give us a sense of how how the news of England's win landed in England? I mean, is it is it cover to cover? Is, is has it brought the country to a standstill, or you know, was Newcastle's win over Tottenham uh, still pride of place? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if you ask my, if you ask my colleague at the Daily Mail, Paul Newman, the most diehard uh, Tottenham fan of all time. Um, yeah, there was a tinge of sadness um, as he left Headingley because of of Tottenham's result. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, uh, yeah, managed to, to, to perk him up. Look, I think in England, um, there's always a lot of hammering about where cricket sits. You know, those of us within the game, you know, obviously think it's the greatest game of all time and, and, and can't understand why anyone wouldn't see it the same way. But the fact is that, that cricket is not as... Um, ever present as, as it once was because of um, a move to, to pay TV and uh, the fact that it hasn't been as kind of ubiquitous in the uh, in the public domain as, as it used to be. There, there are lots of reasons. I'm not going to get into the kind of the, the whys and wherefores of that because I, I think Sky do a terrific job. However, um, certainly this summer, I think the the move to put the World Cup final on on Channel Four on, on terrestrial TV was a was a brilliant move and a, and a very generous one by Sky. I think that's really helped. I think people who were kind of clicked on to cricket um, uh, through that have, have kind of followed through now, and the, the conversations 
definitely louder now than it was around the fi- the final. Um, and I, you know, I had a lovely moment actually after the game yesterday when um, you know everyone was doing their interviews by the side of the pitch and. And Stokes came over and had a quick chat with him. And then I kind of heard this, Dino, Dino, shout from the crowd. And one of my old friends was there and trying to weave his way around. He said, Dino, Dino, this is my son, Will. Um, I brought him along. This is his first day of test cricket ever. And I just <laughs> said, you fool, how did you bring him along to this? You know this doesn't happen all the time. I said, Will, listen, trust me, you probably had a great day, but there's going to be some pain to come. So, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. But this does not happen all the time. Um, but look, I think people are taking, you know, their kids to cricket as, as much as they can. There's so much cricket available. There's, you know, T20 still going on. You know, obviously the international game is is front and centre. But you've got your big bash league. We've got the Vitality Blast, and that's still going on at the moment. And they're getting record numbers as well, getting getting sellouts. So the cricket's definitely on the up. You know, it's great to be involved. It's great to be able to spread the word and all the rest of it. But um, like anything, you can't sort of rest and, and, and think that the job's done. You've just got to keep persuading people that this is a great game, that, you know, there's something there for everyone. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, creed, colour, all the rest of it. There is uh, there is something in this game. And uh, and Ben Stokes really, you know, epitomised it with his, with his four-eyed specky friend at the other end. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask about Jack Leach actually, because I mean he's going to he's going to pick up some sort of cult status, I'm sure. But I, I've seen a couple of photos uh, going around on, on Twitter, especially guys in the press box, noticing that after after the day's play, Leach took uh, took the team back out to the square and he was reenacting his his single to tie the scores, which I just think is bloody great chat from him. Um, but what what he did, yeah. you know, one off 17 balls. I mean, you actually you can't really put that in perspective from a guy who averages something like six in first class cricket or something like that. I don't know if he's got nine against Ireland the other day but um, he seems like a really really friendly guy and, he, and he's and he's done fantastically well hasn't he Jack Leach yeah absolutely definite cult status um, you know and, and, and he's loving it he obviously he's really enjoying it but you, you know you don't get to be that that loved if you don't you know produce something you know worthy of it and, and like you say you've got that 92 against Ireland which you know kind of helped England out of a, a bit of a spot and then you know, he, uh, he he got the greatest one not out, you know, in the history of, of English cricket. And, you know, I remember Jack Leach, you know, first, you know, bursting onto the scene, taking lots of wickets down in Taunton um, on, on pretty helpful surfaces. Um, and he just looked like, you know, an, an absolute um, perfect finger-spinning, you know, first-class cricketer, nothing too dramatic about it. And then he had to go through this really quite horrendous uh, remedial work on his action. Apparently, you know, his arm was not, absolutely perfectly straight uh, you know how the biomechanics uh, worked on that to suggest it was anything other than straight is beyond me but you know he had to go through that process himself it meant that he couldn't play for England earlier than he eventually did so when he came back you know he'd already been through a little bit of uh, trial and tribulation and, and I can remember speaking to him in in New Zealand uh, just before his debut on, on the last tour out there and, and, and him really speaking so uh, confidently and candidly and, and, and really quite warmly about, you know, those sort of cliches, what doesn't knock you down makes you stronger and, you know, I've learned from this and, and so on and so forth. And I, and I thought then, you know, gosh, this guy, uh, you know, he certainly talks a great game. I just I hope that he can play a great game as well because you, you like to see, you know, good people do well. And, 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 and since then, you know, he bowled pretty well in New Zealand, showed that he could live at test at test level he's still kind of learning his trade as a bowler 
at that level, but he's, he's managing to contribute. And when you, you know, when you can do something like Jack did with scoring one night, it's not his main suit. Um, you know, he's already part of the team. He's already loved by the team. And, you know, not everyone would be able to go out there and reenact their, their, their single uh, down to square leg or whatever. So uh, I'm really pleased for him. I just now uh, looking forward to seeing him use that confidence uh, and improve and, and progress as a bowler uh, and really give England that, that stable uh, spin presence that Moeen Ali did for a time, absolutely. But when you've got uh, the pace bowling options of Jofra Archer, Ben Stokes, James Anderson, Stuart Broad, if you've got a reliable spinner like a Jack Leach uh, who can hold up an end uh, and, you know, and, and, and get the crowd chanting his name, then, then that's a great thing, and I'm all for it. Dean, thank you for taking us into the hearts of my, hearts and minds of uh, England cricket. I'm a little bit surprised you haven't taken the opportunity to uh, take a swipe at Australia. Would you like that opportunity now? Well, look, to be fair, uh, you know, the, the thing about us, us English types, you know, we're very reserved, we're very humble, we don't like to brag, you know, we like to let our, our performances and, and, and let what goes on the field do the talking. Huh? Uh, yeah, stick it up, yeah. <laughs> well done uh, well I asked for it uh, Dean Wilson the cricket correspondent for the Daily Mirror uh, thanks very much for joining us mate cheers guys thanks look to be honest I don't try and take the piss too much but the problem is you start to get a little bit bored so I sort of I used to hate that I sort of uh, I try and do the right thing by the competition I must admit that wow. when I go there I try and play conventionally but realistically I'm thinking from ball one I just want to park this fucking thing into the car park <laughs> but you don't want to come out of it and people say look at that arsehole Hodgie you know so yeah what a prick um Time to talk about Budgie Smuggler. Uh, we like to think that we're associated with players. We get a few people on the podcast. I should say we uh, made some more entreaties to both the ECB and Cricket Australia uh, after this game, especially the ECB. We once again asked Johnny Bairstow. <laughs> told he had uh, other commitments. <laughs> but we're told it will happen. Uh, one organisation who is far closer to the players than we are is Budgie Smuggler. Did you know, gentlemen, that Ben Stokes... Smuggles. He smuggles. Unbelievable stuff. In fact, I'm not sure about last night's ton. I can't guarantee with last night's ton, but his previous ton (laughs) in the previous test, uh, he was done. He was doing that smuggling. Yep. Uh, You know who else scores tons on the other team? Who's that? Steve Smith. You know what else he does? He smuggles. Does he? Yeah. So there's a direct correlation between test match hundreds and smuggling. So Mm. if you smuggle, you can hit a hundred in a test match. Is that what Mm. we're saying to the customers out there? That's the advertising we angle we are pursuing yeah. here. You, if you get budgie smugglers, you too can score a hundred in a test match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's essentially advertising, isn't it? It's like yeah. if you have this product, like this person does, who looks like they get sex, yeah. you too will get that's sex. Advertising, and there's just so yeah. many like gaps there, but that's the advertising we're doing. Hopefully, you too feel like you can uh, score hundreds in test matches or whatever a hundred means to you. Others are on TV saying life is your greatest century mm. or should be. Uh, just I just think about hundreds and budgie smugglers and Ben Stokes and Steve Smith. Uh, you can actually get some smugglers uh, if you get some before Australian Father's Day, which is on September 1st, uh, before 2 p.m. on this Thursday. There's a voucher, uh, and, um, you know, it's a potential gift idea. You can see that uh, this advertising is going extremely well. Huge if true. I like it, Pez. Everyone, everyone's smuggling, all the greats, all the greats. Budgiesmuggler.com. 
NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Okay, here we go. I've uh, been looking forward to this. <laughs> sort of. This man represented his country 142 times across all formats. 23 tests, high score of 91, average 26 with the bat. It's obviously now 30-odd, 350s. With the ball, he took 72 wickets, best of 5 for 48. 85 ODIs, he managed 109 wickets. His best there was also 5 for 48. What about his first-class record? 195 matches with Yorkshire, 6,500 runs, a high score of 169 not out, 548 wickets with the best of 5 for 28. He was part of the team that destroyed Australia away from home. He's one of Yorkshire's favourite sons. Wikipedia says his name is Brez Big Time or Brezzy Lad. It's Tim Bresnan. Welcome to the great cricketer. Good morning, boys. <laughs> it oh, is a good morning. Wherever it, it, it is you are. It is a good morning for you, I yeah. suspect. Uh I'm informed that you didn't circuit Brezzy uh, with the English side last night. They were in your hometown. Uh, what, what, yeah. what was your experience of this game yesterday? Um, well, we were actually away at Nottingham playing our own T20 game. And um, there was not much happening in the game. They were just knocking it round at this particular point. <laughs> the ball was at the top of his mark. And uh, the loudest cheer I've ever heard for a bloke who's thrown the ball from mid-wicket back to the bowler. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's going on? What is happening? Anyway, ball's the next ball. Turns out Ben Stokes is at a six. England now needs, like, whatever, two to win or something. And then another cheer when uh, Leachy gets his single. And then the loudest roar you've ever heard for a game that was, you know, 103 miles away or something. <laughs> so how'd you go I in the game? In fact, it scared one of our young lads. He's, uh, he's only played a couple of games. He had to go off with a heat stroke. Um, in a T20? In a T20, yeah. It was warm. But I reckon it was a cheer out of the stands that scared him. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you've you've caught so up. How and... have you been, lads? Anyway, how have you been? Yeah. No. Okay. Cool. You interview us. <laughs> Catch um, up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, been good, yeah. mate. Thanks. Yeah. Obviously. Real good. Yeah. 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 Uh, nothing Real good. <laughs> and how are you feeling this morning? Um, I've just been burying myself in work. So I went to yeah. work and just really emails, yeah, emails, yeah. cold calls, anything I could do to um to just get out of the headspace. But here we are again, and I'm talking to you, and yeah. I'm triggered. I'm not going to let you forget it. Mm. I, mean, I actually didn't catch the game last night, so I actually don't know what happens. But uh, seems like I might have a nice time, and uh, you know, roll on Old Trafford really. So it's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we need Trafford. therapy. Res, we, we, we need a team of doctors to work with us, each of us, each individual, because yeah. we've had psychological trauma. 
mm, inflicted right. upon us. I mean, is this if you were us, how would you be feeling? I mean, let's just say you didn't play, you know, 100 and whatever it is, matches for your country, but you're just a normal punter yeah. who likes <laughs> cricket and you've stayed up all yeah. night to watch your boys play in the Ashes and you've just been absolutely yeah. worldied by like yourself, the opposition Dave. legend. Yeah. How would you feel? How should we feel? I think... I think what I'd do is, um, as a matter of urgency, I'd set up um, a care centre for, for Australia. I'd, I'd call it the Joel Wilson Institute. Just <laughs> 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 for anyone. Institute? Well, you just you know you get to you just talk through talk through your problems. You know, yeah. not talk a hotline as well. With, it's got to be face to face. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Face to face is always the best, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah. I suppose you could have a hotline for people that are really struggling. Yeah, Rez, yeah you, must have, you must have. Uh, you must have sent out a couple of texts to. I mean, you'd be friends with some of the guys in the team. Obviously, they wouldn't speak to you anymore because, um, you know, why, why would they? But you know, you, you must have sent a couple of texts out to the boys. Any any feedback? <laughs> like, how was their night out last night? Um, I've not had any feedback yet. Like you said, okay. they will text me back for. <laughs> I'll be. Uh, I'll just get blue ticks back, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like when we were writing to you before these shows uh, that Global we did with you as well. Just Everyone's one big scene. Blue ticks. Yeah, <laughs> couple of um, scenes. Yeah, that's all I get back. Um, but mate, but no, you... I imagine they went. I got, I've seen a few videos of lads celebrating in the dressing room. It looked fairly subdued, to be fair. Mm. Um, you know, I think they're still. Obviously, they know that they've still got a job to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think obviously, like I mean, basically all of them failed in the game, so they would have preferred personal success over a win. That's obviously how it goes in cricket. Mate, you, you obviously played at Henley a lot, like, and and that that wicket seemed kind of funny because like, uh, it's so it, it, the it's the same before the game as you look up before you look down at Headingley and um, yeah. you know it obviously seemed around the first couple of days, and then it spun a little bit as well. But then by day four, it actually seemed to be playing better. I mean, is that your experience as well at Headingley? That sort of gets better as the as the as the as the wicket goes on. Yeah, massively. Um, it's, it's also a new ball wicket as well. So no matter what time or what the weather's weather's like, as long as you've got a new ball in your hand, you're going to get something out of it. Um, yeah. but, you know, the conditions, the overhead conditions play a massive part. Um, even, even bigger than the, you know, whether it's damp or, you know, slightly dry or whatever. Just if it's, it is true. Look up, not down. Um, mm. If you've got cloud cover, you, you're going to get team swing, you know, maybe a bit of an even bounce. But, you know, when mm. the sun's out, it seems to flatten out quite a bit. Yeah, How do you think that the um, that the Australians bowled? I mean, heads must roll, obviously. We must point fingers and begin the blame game. But if you just were asked to review how the Australians bowled against England, where, where did they kind of get it wrong? I think the second new ball. Um, you know that that first, you know when Johnny and Johnny and Stokes were in. Um, as soon as they took the second new ball, they just they just weren't accurate enough. Um, that's that's the time when, you know, they could have put that match to bed and you know, just blown blown us away. But you know they bowled wide, they thirty extras as well, like, and that wasn't even that was before we went out to the field um, in our game like there was 30 extras on the board we're like Jesus, he's a decent player that extras but um, <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> you still have those kind of cricket yeah, cricket jokes at the top level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, it's like I saw one of your tweets this morning. It's like the geezer after Ben Stokes got a hundred who showers. That again. Yeah. yeah. It always plays well. Muscle memory, you have to do it. It doesn't matter what the state yeah. of the game is. Yeah. yeah. Can you, uh, Brent, you know what I like as well? You know what I like? I like the fielders when he's running towards the fence. You know, the ball's dipping over his head. Yeah. Um, it was signals to the umpire whether it was four or six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still do that. Yeah. I still do that. Yeah. It's helpful. It's, it's mm. a nice thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brezzy, can you can you tell us a little bit about uh, Ben Stokes as well? I mean, obviously, there's going to be a thousand profiles of this bloke now, and everyone's talking about BBC Sports Personality of the Year. Like that's something we don't understand in Australia. Uh, like, yeah. you know, like, like people are talking about Australia choking, right? I think part of that has to do with how much he demoralised them. You know, like, yeah. I mean, are you kind of surprised at all that he was able to pull that off? Uh, you know, such a huge feat. Yeah, I think and it, like that would be that would have to go down as the best test innings in, in history, wouldn't it? Surely. Be up there. Mm. Be up there. Um, I think you know Stokes is a bloke. He's bloke. He's just he never gives up. I mean, the typified demand. You know, when the night before when he bowls a twelve over spell or whatever it was, mm. um, and it's swinging around corners at you know pushing. 88 miles an hour like well deep into his 12th over and he's still he busts the gut for the team and that's what you want that's the type of players that you want on your team Um, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a hero he's Ben Stokes you know what he's a a proper solid guy as well Mm. like a stand up geezer Mm. Mm. (laughs) you've obviously played multiple Ashes series and and, you know winning and losing sides but like how much do you think momentum actually plays a part in you know five tests you know sort of longer series that no one else seems to play anymore it's just Australian England seems to play these long series but like do you think momentum and and a swing such as this in this test match just gone like is actually really significant for the overall course of the series yeah I think England will win it now Really? Momentum swing. It's a, there was a massive momentum swing as soon as Joffrey Archer got involved at Lords. Yeah. And now it's happened again. Um, you know, Archer bowled well. I don't know the state of his injury or what, if he's even injured. Um, mm. He might have just been cooked. Um, mm. But, you know, like there's there's another momentum swing now. I reckon that the Aussies will be hurting, demoralised, like thinking, what have we got to do with put the series to bed I think England will walk away with it now if I'm honest interesting well the, the, the I guess the one saving grace for Australia is that Steve Smith's coming back and you've actually got a little bit of history with him you played a season of Sydney grade cricket when you were 19 back in um, 2005 six you know, from memory yeah. and uh, that yeah. was Steve Smith's debut in first grade as well what are your recollections of of that and I understand at the time he he, he had some ambitions to go and play in England as well and spoke to you about that yeah he did he uh, tried to sniff a, a gig at Yorkshire. His dad's obviously English, um, Peter, uh, and yeah, he, he, he was just a you know a young kid, a bit spotty, spotty faced, wet behind the ears. <laughs> um, <laughs> he just he came into the team and uh, and got a few runs, all a few leg spinners, but he played nicely. He looked alright. He looked. Of his game in order, he looked tidy. Um, 
but it was, you know. When he, when he asked me if I could get him a gig at Yorkshire, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> slow down, bigger. <laughs> Not that good. I um, fucking love you, Brisbane. It's so obviously, good. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, talent ID is not going to be my future career, I don't think. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's a decent, decent kid as well. Like, lovely lad. Yeah. And um, after that, the next time I saw him, he was twatting me all around Lords <laughs> uh, in a one-day international. I think, didn't you say, when, when we, we talked about this in Leeds, uh, he did ask if you would get him a gig at Yorkshire and that he would you know, maybe that would lead him down a road of perhaps being eligible for England and, and you said no and just gave him yeah. some gloves, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I just stunned at the kit bag and go, mate, like excess baggage, you just help yourself. Um, so I think he uh I think he got nearly three thousand runs the following year with one of my uh slavengers. <laughs> uh, and then subsequently got picked for New South Wales. So I think, you know, one of my Slazenger V1200s can, can partly take, uh, you know, a bit of credit for his success. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, Definitely. even Australia's success over the last 12 months. Yeah. Oh, we thank yeah. you for that, Bruce. Thank yeah. you for doing that. No, no worries. No worries. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to take it home. I couldn't, um, couldn't afford the excess baggage. I had, like, too many dingy, didgeridoos and stuff in my bag. <laughs> Souvenirs, boomerangs, and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Thanks it's, for propping up our economy. Yeah, yeah. just steer away yeah, from that it. slightly. Uh, jet, like, what are your other memories of of Sydney Grade Cricket? I guess it's the name of our cast. But what, what were your memories of, of playing there for one year? Um, I found it. I found it weird. <laughs> you know why? Wait, no, I, fa- I found it weird how um, a bunch of blokes like. And, and every team, every team was the same. Mm. Could could get together on a Saturday, abuse the shit out of each other mm. for six hours, mm. and like play cricket at a subpar standard, <laughs> but at the same time, rating themselves as world beaters. Mm. I found that really weird, mm. and I found it really weird when I ever went into bat. And I just got absolutely nailed with abuse, right? By even the even the bloke at the other end who I was batting with, you know, he was having a few digs at me, calling me calling me a shit pom and stuff. Like, you guys thought you were the absolute bee's knees. Like most of the lads, most of the lads who I was playing with in my grade team reckoned a, a bit like Smithy reckoned that Sydney grade cricket was like. First class cricket in England. <laughs> yeah. No, but I can, I can tell by your sniggers, you actually believe that as well. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, you hey, believe like, that? Well, yeah, you time, do. You always you? have to denigrate, like yeah. Harrison. Yeah. yeah. It's probably yeah. slightly better. Slightly better than first probably class. Probably threes, maybe fours. Yeah, yeah. Counter cricket is maybe threes, fours. Like if you're if you're yeah. ones and twos yeah. player in Sydney, you're like I could. Probably you guys would be like, oh, look, you probably go over and play minor counties and get you know, like you know, dollar a run or something, a pound a run, you know, and have a yeah. good time. Yeah. If you wanted to knuckle down, yeah, you probably play a bit of county cricket, uh, but you're usually not there for that. You just want the circuit, and you've got to remember it's 05 as well. So Australia just have no regard for any other nation. Lots of things were happening at the time. You were at Sutherland, not far, uh, not, not yeah. far away from that, was was some riots, uh, and um, but then you know things just went downhill for Australia culturally and uh, cricketing wise as well. 
it's the arrogance of the place. Like, oh, it was the arrogance of the place. <laughs> Obviously, you've been you've been knocked down a peg or two now, haven't you? You <laughs> <laughs> Us as a country. Fucking hell, wins one test match. Jesus. And a World Cup, mate. And a World Cup. No, I No, I no, Did you really, though? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you lads reckon to, you know, England's complete and utter dominance in, in cricket? Well, I mean, it was. I saw actually a tweet the other day by Matt Pryor and he was almost laying the foundations for a loss. He said, you know, it, he couldn't believe that there was a world cup and the ashes in one year and must yeah. be so tough to have to back up, you know, for an ashes series after you've hosted a world cup on your home soil. winning yeah. a tournament with no, your I, I, Well, to be fair, I, I understood exactly what he was saying. Um, and it wasn't an excuse for lads that were out there. We, we played back to back ashes. Remember? Yeah. Remember that? Mm. Yeah. And that was to avoid ever being part of a World Cup and an Ashes again in the future. Because mm. it was too tough to do. So I can understand where it's coming from. Like, why did we have to do that back to back Ashes if, you know, three, four years later, we're in the same situation where we've got a World Cup and an Ashes? Mm. But it's mm. the same for Australia also have to do it. <laughs> Except they have to do it out of, like, living out of suitcases for three months. <laughs> a little bit harder, I would have uh, thought. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> Is that, are you kidding me? <laughs> Five-star hotels everywhere around this beautiful island that we live on. Right <laughs> yeah, but then you got to put all the clothes back in your suitcase and move around again. And yeah, yeah. And different hotel what about, uh What about the... Being able to circuit and knowing knowing who the hell you are, <laughs> yeah. because, because cricket like is the ninth biggest sport. Yeah, unless you unless you're Steve Smith or Dave Warner, no one actually knows or would recognise you mm. in England. So you could quite easily get out on the circuit mm. without any fuss. That's a bonus. What's going on with the, uh, the the Nathan Lyon hate? I feel like England really really like to get on Nathan Lyon's back. And I, I, I wonder what he's done. Is it, is it the ending, ending the careers comment thing of the last Sasha series? Like, I don't know, people really seem to be, uh, you know, thriving off his, like, misrun out, especially. Um, is, he, is, he, is he a bad guy? What's, what's, what's yeah, what's, what's, uh, what's happening with Nathan Lyon? I, think? <laughs> I, don't, I don't personally know, to be honest. Mm. I don't pay enough attention in the media. Like, I did a win that had said something about ending careers. Yeah. It's a bit like the broken arms comment, isn't it? Yeah, I guess oh, so. Awesome. Yeah. It's like there's no <laughs> there's no point, there's no need for it. Yeah. Like just play because he's, yards. You don't need to get so um, you don't need to get so personal. Yeah. Is it because he's an off spinner though? Like is should an off spinner be able to make such aggressive proclamations because they just bowl these ones. They just use their <laughs> ring finger and yeah. no, not their index finger and they just tweak it. That's that's what they do. Well, I suppose he's got to be aggressive in other ways, hasn't he? Mm. Um, <laughs> he can't ball bounces. I don't know, mate. Like, I just think, I just think, like, he's, he's made he's made chip shop comments in the media, and then you know he's bowled okay, but then it comes back and bites you, doesn't it? Like, you don't. There's a saying over it. I don't know if you have it in Australia. You never fuck with mother cricket. She always bites on her. Mm. And I feel as though that's exactly what he's done. 
He's messed with Mother Cricket. Jesus. Um, Tim, uh, I don't think anyone has controlled the pace of an interview um, on this podcast quite like you. Uh, and um, we probably the audience can probably tell that we've spent some time with you, some good time. Uh, we really appreciate it. I mean, given you were interviewing us, do you have any final words or questions for us before um, we end this conversation? I've got, I've got a really lengthy throwdown for you. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> nah, not actually. But I, if I'd have been more prepared for your phone call, I might have written something down. Maybe um, next time. That'd be three, good. Three or, four, three or four pages front and back. Um, Beautiful. To read out to you and then uh, completely and utterly stuff you with a question about fairy liquid or something on the, on the end of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that's the formula. That is that's the formula. It's just, uh, <laughs> Tim, formula yeah. Appreciate you uh, coming on uh, at, at short notice and giving the Yorkshire uh, English reaction to it, and uh, it's all very fair because Australia got uh, got cucked. So, um, hope you well, yeah. mate. I'm just signing off an email. Now. I have, I've got a question for. I, I okay. know, just for you, I've got a question for you. So, this obviously Higo and Pez. Where, where's the other bloke? The <laughs> Is he um? Where is he, is he opening up the Joel? Is he opening up the Joel Watson name Institute? <laughs> <laughs> the Joel Wilson Institute. He's setting Joel up. Wilson Institute. Yeah. Is, he the, is, he, is he out there setting it up, or is he out there looking for one? <laughs> he, he's Good been question. on the show. I don't really know questions. how to answer that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really really painful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's much appreciated. Guys, I've really enjoyed myself this morning. Yeah. Great. It's just 25 minutes, just four blokes having a chat. Glad you have. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it yep. We'll do it again. Thanks, Brezzy. No worries. No worries, boys. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the next test. <laughs> we'll do. Try not to get too down. Like, it's just a game. <laughs> 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 it's just a game. <laughs> It's not, it's not even the it's not even the most popular spot in our country. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, thanks, Tim. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> It's Queensgrove Sports' massive birthday sale. All brands reduced to clear. Kookaburra, Grey Nichols, New Balance, GM and more. Everything's priced to make you think it's actually worth it. Needn't you stick to kid yourself that you'll actually average above 11 this season? Don't waste your money on actual therapy. Try retail therapy instead. We've got last year's stock with this year's stickers. And double the price. We've got the brands of yesteryear too. Remember MRF? Brian Lara used one. So that must mean you're good enough to use it too. Flintoff and KP used a woodworm. I'm pretty sure they went into receivership, so we're basically giving them away. Remember when Albion sponsored Chris Martin, the worst batsman of all time? I have no idea how these bizarre alien pads didn't sell out. We've got them! What about those weird Indian brands that look like railway sleepers, weigh the same, and have absolutely no middle? We've got you covered. We even sell bats with no stickers on them, so it looks like you're trying to get sponsored, even though you're in fifth grade. So rush into Queen's Grove Sports today and make this season your last. Hashtag Ask TGC. 
four of the best here, lads. Morris Lester writes in. He says, why is Joffrey Archer wearing a timepiece when he's batting? What style of timepiece is acceptable to wear while batting, apart from none? Digital, analog, pockets, Fitbits, or calculator? Hashtag ICGC. What style? So like, is he talking about what era of timepiece? Like a fob watch or some kind of old... No. 1920s style piece might be very acceptable to wear while batting. I think I, um, I think Johnny Bairstow was a Fitbit when he bats. He was in the World Cup. I'm not sure if he's still doing it, but yeah. So Johnny's gone for the, for the Fitbit. Archer's gone for like a serious, massive like. Yeah, it's a, it's like Kawaja. Like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I forget. What I, like jewelry. Except he's, yeah. he's accessorizing. It's accessorizing. It's accessorizing. Yeah. Big, like a big face that always has to be big, and it, and mm. it, it just pops out of the sleeve just so. Yes, mm. I remember, it just hooks um, itself around the sleeve just so. Just, so. <laughs> I remember uh, the first person I saw to wear a watch while playing was Craig McDermott, who, oh, who wore was, like a, 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 the equivalent of like a Daniel Wellington. Um, when he came into bowl. And I remember, like, one of the commentators would have been a Laurie or a, or a Benno maybe sort of asking why he was doing that because never, they've never played on the ground where, like, um, a, a clock wasn't available to be seen at the ground. And I was like, I don't really think he's doing it f- to know what time it is when he's playing in a test match. Craig McDermott was accessorising with a nice Daniel Wellington equivalent in 1993. But you were, and as a, what, seven-year-old, sort of, seven he goes, even you were aware that what he was doing was accessorising yes. for fashion purposes. Yes, I like, clocked it, I, I think as a seven, you clocked it well done. <laughs> as a seven-year-old, I would have just <laughs> presumed that he, he was wearing a watch, watch to read the time. I'm impressed that you're aware of a watch having that use at age seven. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, <laughs> Rob says, uh, gents, this has been quite a year for me. My longtime partner is not so subtly signalling that our relationship is over. My father has stopped communicating with me entirely and I spent my 40th birthday attending my favourite uncle's funeral. Hell of an opening. Yep. Uh, you might describe the year thus far as suboptimal. The one bright spot <laughs> is that I started playing cricket. As an American living in England, I puzzled for months over the game before deciding the only way to understand the sport was to play it. Seeing an advert posted on a wall in a local pub, I turned up to the winter nets and immediately took to the sport emotionally, if not athletically. <laughs> I filled with more enthusiasm than elegance. I bowl like Jimmy Anderson in that I've already injured my calf multiple times. And my season high runs was dot, 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 two runs in three overs before being run out, knowingly sacrificing myself for better batsmen down the order. <laughs> My next match was a golden duck off a Yorker just nabbing outside stump. <laughs> Nevertheless, cricket has remained the high point of my 2019. So my question is, should I A, quit my job and throw myself into cricket here in England, hoping that the impending Brexit chaos will let me slip under the radar of Her Majesty's Immigration Enforcers when I overstay my visa, playing in developmental leagues with kids a third my age who can outplay and outsledge me, knowing my misery will always be welcome here in England? B, move to San Diego and take up with the SoCal Cricket League, hoping my girlfriend will fall in love with me again after seeing me energetically fielded my whites while ignoring my batting paralysis facing predominantly <laughs> South Asian spin bowlers, maximising the flat dry wickets of eternally parched California? We'll see. Quit cricket, abandon what's, le- abandon what's left of my soul, move to DC, and seek work with the Trump administration, hoping my right-wing father will finally believe his fickle leftist know-it-all son has finally seen the light. This is all riding on you guys, so thanks in advance. Rob. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's Hall of Fame for me. That is Hall of Fame. I think that's, that's really good. Uh, lots uh, going on uh, with man. Rob. 
Um, <sighs> it's been a tough so year for Rob, <laughs> hasn't it? Yeah, tough year for really Rob. Really tough year. Yeah, I went on um, his I went on his Twitter to make sure this was legit, and so yeah, he's, he's real. It's real. He's a real person. Oh um, man! So American in the st- I I reckon B. I reckon I can chase love, man. Go back mm. to San Diego, get your cricket. I reckon be big fish, small Bit ponds. Of surf down there, yeah. Surf down there. Doesn't make sense sun. though. What do you like, mean? He's saying that he's going to use cricket in Southern California. Yeah. To to rekindle love, like everyone knows What's that there the issue, is mate? no uh, compatibility <laughs> between playing the game of cricket and investing in a relationship. Yeah, but I, I mean, maybe things are different in California. So is he maybe moving to South San Diego with his girlfriend here? I think she might already be there. I feel like, or they might move there. Yeah, they might sort of be from there. Right. Okay. Now I understand. Because yeah. at the beginning of the, in the first stanza, my long term partner is not so subtly signaling that our relationship is over, hmm. and. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, in this instance, I think in North American circles, cricket could be the thing to rekindle because cricket's kind of like a niche sport. Mm. Um, you know, I guess it's kind like of niche as well in England, but like, you know, there's something quaint about that, and maybe maybe that might be the way to to you know reopen the the heart vessels and, and let love mm. in. I like, I like that he immediately took to the sport emotionally. Yes, I just wonder so what, if not athletes, what that means. Didn't we all like, say just, Putting up the nets, you know, measuring a run up, you know, putting on those pads, you yeah. know, putting the box on, just connecting yeah. with the sport of cricket emotionally. I like the idea of, like, he's he's a like I like the idea of him moving to DC to seek work with the Trump administration, mm-hmm. like not me, because like you can tell by Rob's writing that he has the ability to be able to adopt the. Um, the other team, you know, being an American, go to England and playing cricket, he can go straight into the Trump administration, get his father's love. That's a, I mean, what is a bigger sacrifice for your life to gain your father's love? Playing cricket for forty years, as we uh, have done in one way or another, or joining the Trump administration for your father's love and uh, foregoing all of your politics? Short term gain, short term pain, long term gain. There, yeah, as opposed to the way around with cricket. Interesting. You can join the global elite, at least, if you're in the Trump administration. You rub shoulders. You sort of have, mm. you know, high-powered meetings and steakhouses mm. and stuff. You can be safe in the global elite, yeah. you know, as, as the world kind of dies. Because mm. I was kind of thinking, like, with the Trump administration, I mean, maximum, you know, four years left for Trump or five years, mm. I suppose. But then, like, you look what's happening in Italy, you know. Um, mm. uh, you know, they're... they're Predicting that like the the most right wing government's going to get in since um, since World War Two, so you know maybe this is a trend that's happening worldwide. Brexit, obviously, famously. So, yeah, right. um, I, don't, I, I still think B. I think you should move to San Diego. Rob is what I think. Yeah, I'd move to DC and seek work with Trump. I think Trump okay. is the future, and then you know he'll get in Trump twenty twenty. Without doubt, twenty twenty four, you can shift back to the private sector and, and take on some 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 kind of good well, job there. So that's when you move back to England, I think, because mm. maybe some people go to jail after that. But for the next four years, all good. Yeah. All right, we'll continue. Uh, David Mears says, "When I shadow bat, I bat left-handed and get out to a rearing ball that I could do nothing about." <laughs> I haven't played cricket in years and am right-handed. What's wrong with me? I assume this means I have some confusion over sexuality. How do I tell my wife? Hmm. How do I tell my wife? Yeah, so, yeah. so he's come so to terms with it immediately. Yeah. Uh, what's wrong with me? Probably a few yeah. things. You know, hey, Dave, hey, uh, hey, Dahl, you know how when I play my cricket shots, just to explain, <laughs> when I do it like this, see how I'm holding my hand, that's actually what they call left-handed. I normally do it like this but because i do it like this i think i'm 
I'm not the sexuality that um, you think I am. <laughs> Oops. How would someone who's non-binary shadow bat? That's the main question. Not for me. That's not. Okay. <laughs> Out of here. <laughs> Just leave, leave the podcast. Yeah, it pisses off. All right, Dave, just you and me yeah. to go. Uh, Jamie Stevens. Afternoon, fellas. In the wake of Marnus Labuschagne's rise to international cricketing fame in the recent test matches, it was brought to my attention that I have, in fact, played against him. For a bit of background, I am, was a shit cricketer, doing my best oh, yeah. to quit playing, and the only reason I would ever play is to see some mates and have a good feed in the innings break. It was a Sunday in 2014 playing against Sandwich Town CC in Kent, England. Greeted at the grounds by my team captain, who I'd hardly played for, I was told that their overseas player, Manus, was playing. Fifteen years old at the time, I batted ten, bowled pies, and often fielded at square leg. I knew I would be in for a long afternoon. Thankfully, on this occasion, my father was not in attendance. Marnus, I believe, came in at four, played some, played a few glorious cover drives and spanked a few sixes and quickly reached 50. It was shortly after this, my captain looked at me and rolled his shoulders whilst miming, warm up, mate. We weren't. Was this an inspired decision to try and get Marnus out or just giving me a game? The latter, I assumed. I arrived at the crease only to realise Marnus had switched to his left hand, giving me a glimmer of hope. This glimmer was soon quashed as he would continue to spank the ball through the covers and over my head with his left hand. Take a blow, said the skipper, after two hard overs which turned out to be my last involvement of the day, whereas Marnus uh, went on to make only 112 and take a few wickets with his leg spin. Who is this cheeky fuck? I asked myself as I stood at deep square leg in my own beta world. Does this display from Mana surprise you, given his racing outings in the test match, and should I have quick cricket for good there and then? Cheers, Jamie. Thanks for the question, Jamie. Uh, I guess the thing that sticks out in my mind is the image of Manus Labuschagne changing hands and just hitting yeah. boundaries with his left hand. Yeah. So he's just not using the bat. He's literally just hitting it with <laughs> punching balls. <laughs> like hallway cricket. Stokes really could have done that, I reckon. <laughs> what is it about yeah. Love of Shane? Like, I mean, what is it? He's like he's solid and he's a very good player, of course. And he's performed, but like he doesn't have, like for example, he doesn't have a signature shot. Like when I think of him, I, I don't. What, what's his shot? Like if you had to say, oh, that's a fucking Love of Shane shot. What is it? The cover drive. Oh, okay, it's interesting. You've got on different sides of the wicket. What do you say, Pez? Through mid wicket, he's uh, he's got some. He, he stands kind of in front of his stumps. He gets across and looks to, for the bowl to bowl at him. It goes through mid wicket. Yeah. But yeah, he, he, he's strong square. Love Shane. Like he doesn't. He's not like chesty and down the ground and like you bowl the ball at me and everything will be returned back at you mm-hmm. in a kind which of which is what we like, like and demand from our players in order like, to make yeah, it special send it, transcendental. Send it back from whence it came. He's more of a. I'll use the pace and, and distribute. He's a distributor of the ball with hands and flicks and wrists and mm-hmm. and coordination. Mm-hmm. He has an he has an aura about him, Manus. Let's just you know let's let's just have it right. Mm-hmm. You know he, he he's he's blessed. Well, so, someone someone told he's us magnetic. He's got magnetism. Someone told us that Ponting really likes him. That's that's how he sort yeah. of got into the setup. I forget who said that, but someone who would know. Mm-hmm. Um, we were told really by a high place source that Ponting. Thinks he's the long term three, it and if it's good of, enough for Ponting. Yeah, it's good enough for me. It kind of reminds me of Ponting a little bit, probably because he just uses a cooker bar and he's probably about the same height. 
Um, so therefore, <laughs> I, I see everyone as the same person as long as they're wearing baggy green. He's Australia's long term three, though. He's Australia's long term three. He's hundred tests. Hundred tests. That's, that's going to annoy people. Uh, <laughs> it's the name of the show. Name of the show. He's hundred tests. Um, yeah, he's certainly got a certain genius acquire about him, no doubt. Um, all right. Uh, any other business for this uh, for this episode? Thanks for listening. No we'll be um, we'll do a preview of Old Trafford, where in the next couple of days we'll convince ourselves that Australia have not been utterly demoralised, mm. uh, but uh, mm. rationally knowing that they have. And for Australian fans out there who heard uh, Breslin's prediction that the series is all over now, he did also say to us that he thought Australia would absolutely decimate England after the first test. So you know, I don't know what to believe, but it's probably not Brezila. All right, see you next time. <laughs> I tell you what, if I'd have been if I'd have been stuck so yesterday, I'd have had my shirt off, fucking spinning it around my head, yeah. running around the square, doing knee slides in my pads, mm. <laughs> proving like proving to everyone that I wasn't a rig based selection. <laughs> All of that shit. Like, how good was he? It was unreal. I've watched a couple of the highlights. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. <sighs>